average? Average? Can average just be good enough? Maybe average is sometimes more than what you think it is. Next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Welcome back to Download Land, my friends of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew here in the comfy confines of the basement lair here in relatively humid Northeast Ohio. We had a very, very enjoyable couple of days, sunshine-wise, meteorologically speaking, and now the clouds are on the horizon. In fact, during my post-lunch walk, I looked out over towards the western horizon and almost felt like, you know, the music from the movies uh, we were going to, uh, you know, uh, impede at any moment. It was going to be dun-dun-dun because it's looking pretty gruesome. So I'm hoping that we're going to be able to squeeze this podcast in before what uh, has been rumored to be a series of storms for later this afternoon and into the evening and all day Saturday. So we're recording this on Friday, June the 26th. And here's hoping you are safe and healthy amongst a rapidly escalating series of numbers in a variety of states, coronavirus-wise. I have to admit that this has been causing me a, a pretty deep amount of anxiety. In fact, I was just remarking to my wife over lunch that... I would say my anxiety levels are even more increased now than they were, say, six weeks ago, maybe even more than that, Uh, only because the thing that we fear, or some of us fear, some of us who believe this is not a hoax, uh, is that the numbers are going to go up, we are going to have to, you know, tread some water, we are going to have to return to doing some of the things that some of us have been kind of getting away from. And all of this is going to start over again. So this has been very worrisome for me, lots of anxiety. And as I can tell on some of the social media platforms, a number of other people share my sense of anxiety and angst over this. And I think it's with good reason. You know, I think it's justified. But that's an opinion for another time. And I have some strong opinions about the way we've been dealing with the coronavirus, our response to it, the the almost no middle ground pontificating that happens and has happened almost incessantly on social media platforms. And so it's been very bothersome. So for some who have said, you know, I don't do social media, you might have made the best decision possible. Because at one point, I actually even kind of shut down, especially from Facebook. I'm back and I realized that not a whole lot has changed. In fact, (laughs) it's almost gotten worse. This has been kind of a wacky week, actually. Just things not working. Um plans laid, you know, waylaid, I should say. Uh, first, I went to uh, get my car, the, the 2006 car that most of the time sits in the driveway. And due to COVID, 
all of our tags on the cars changed over at the time of my birthday last month. Well, for whatever reason, on the older car that I drive, um, that is rapidly approaching 158,000 miles, uh, I've noticed that the state of Ohio really never cashed the check I sent, so therefore I don't have a tag. Now, for a while, we got sort of a dispensation, a special, you know, dispensation that would allow me to drive on this expired tag because for whatever reason, they just never got around to cashing the check and thereby sending my tag. Well, there are certain counties in the state of Ohio, the, the county that I live in being one of them, that require something called e-check where you have to take your vehicle to this um, testing facility and they make sure that your exhaust emissions are compliant and all that stuff. And you can't get your tag renewed until you show them this approved e-check. What's really interesting, though, is all my family live in the county south of me and none of them have to do it. So while I continue to kind of complain about it, I do think being you know the sort of the environmentalist that I am, I probably shouldn't uh, ratchet y'all too much about it because it's something that I kind of believe in. It's just a nuisance and it's kind of an inconvenience. And it was really a nuisance this week because for whatever reason, my engine light has been on almost constantly. And it has something to do with something in my exhaust system. And there's a little pinhole somewhere and it's causing the engine light to be on. Well, as I waited almost a half an hour to get into my place in line to have e-check done, the first thing the person says to me is, you don't have any uh, engine warning lights on, do you? And I said, um, you know what, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, I do. And he said, well, if you have an engine warning light on, um, this will automatically uh, decline you. So you'll, you'll have a negative uh, rating and you won't pass. And I said, okay, well, uh, I, uh, I didn't know that. He goes, also, um, I'm kind of smelling gasoline. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. Um, I don't know whether you have a gas line that's leaking or something or whether you're seeing any gas. And I said, no, I'm not seeing any gas. He goes, well, I'm definitely smelling it. So this is not a vehicle that we want to test today. And I went, oh, okay. So I have that to deal with. Taking it somewhere to have them look at this car that's way past its time and probably should be in a junkyard anyway. And then I went to mow the lawn yesterday, and then I, you know, I'm just pulling on it. And I've had some issues the last couple of lawn mowing uh, escapades where it was having trouble starting. And I just did everything that I could possibly do to make this lawn mower start. And it just was not happening. I even went down to the store. I replaced the spark plug. And what I know about lawn mowers, which is essentially nothing, it still would not kick over. So that upset me. It's just, it's just one of those things where things happen. You don't plan them out. And that's the way life rolls sometimes. And that's kind of where we are. So I had to go on to the next door app and I actually had to hire someone <laughs> to mow my lawn earlier today while I seek out a, another used lawnmower somewhere in Craigslist land. I'm sure one exists. So these are the these are the dilemmas that uh, I've been dealing with. And these dilemmas, as compared to other people's dilemmas, probably aren't uh, too uh, terribly uh, dramatic. But they are dilemmas nonetheless. Mm -hmm. 
earlier today at lunch, I was sitting down uh, with my lovely wife, who I actually had an argument with yesterday. And, uh, you know, it had to do with, uh, it had to do with pills and taking her pills. And, you know, I'm trying to do everything that I can do to help uh, combat, you know, these early stages of dementia. And I thought that I had manufactured this system whereby she would take her pills you know, properly. And in her mind, she already had a system. Like, why was I getting in the way of her system? And it just sort of all came to a head because I was really supposed to remind her to take these pills. And then I forgot. And so she's been getting these massive blood pressure headaches. And I think partially yesterday, due to the fact that I neglected to remind her to take these pills. Well, it is kind of on me. But at the time, I didn't see it that way. I, I saw it like, wow, you're not being very appreciative that I'm trying to care for you. It was just one of those snowballed effect things. And it just kind of got ugly. And so I'm, I was really grateful today that we actually had, you know, like a lot of civil uh, discussions. And it's really never come up. And I'm, I hope it doesn't come up anymore because it was really my fault. And I'm just going to kind of let her do her system and hopefully, you know, monitor. Or in the, you know, the famed words of George Bush, trust but verify. And that's kind of where I'm going. Anyway, during our lunch today, we were listening to some channel on Alexa and it was a free channel from um, whatever we subscribe to, Amazon Music. And a Nick Drake song came on. And I've always had this kind of fascination with Nick Drake. And really, up until about, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I really never even knew who Nick Drake was. And so if you're listening to this and you're saying, who the hell is Nick Drake? Well, see, I was in the same spot. Like, who is Nick Drake? All I know is that I heard this maybe three to five minute expose on NPR about Nick Drake. And I became absolutely mesmerized by Nick Drake. I became mesmerized by his voice. I became mesmerized by his guitar playing. I became mesmerized by the songs. And I became mesmerized by his story. It just seems so mysterious and, and dark. And just everything combined, whenever I, I heard Nick Drake playing acoustic guitar, I knew it was Nick Drake. And then that voice would come on top of it. And really, I have to be honest with you, it was a bone chilling experience. I mean, bone chilling in a good way. I mean, I was just really captivated by Nick Drake. And so Donna, probably like most people said, you know, who is Nick Drake? And I was kind of giving her this little story about Nick Drake and and the fact that, you know, he suffered from massive depression and, you know, he had maybe had like three albums released and not, he was from England and none of them sold very well. And it was really only after his death that, you know, as sometimes these things happen where a uh, artist's a catalog, you know, rises to the attention of the general public. And all of a sudden, you know, now, you know, Nick Drake has uh, amassed a certain amount of popularity. And so I was telling her kind of this story about Nick Drake. And if you're ever interested in listening to Nick Drake, I mean, obviously his stuff is easy to find, you know, on YouTube. And while you're searching on YouTube, just to take a short aside, uh, there's a young kid named Josh Turner. 
And invariably, if you do a Nick Drake search, you'll run across Josh Turner. Um, he's this sort of young kid. He kind of looks like Waldo with his glasses. He's very well-spoken, a very, uh, he seems very intelligent, and he's very skilled on the guitar. And he's done this sort of exhaustive search on the way Nick Drake played the guitar, like what tunings he used. And, you know, he's done a lot in his career to so sort of mimic uh, Nick Drake and really to discover, you know, what was behind, you know, Nick Drake's story. And just his rendition of the song Pink Moon is just enough to, like, put goosebumps on your goosebumps, as Paula Abdul used to say in American Idol. And it's really thrilling to listen to him talk about his search about Nick Drake. So anyway, I was <laughs> that was a long roundabout way of talking about something Donna remarked about. And she said, you know, it's really interesting that we're all just these regular average people out here. And then you have people like him. And I thought about these words, which I thought were very philosophical from her. I thought about these things on my walk and I thought, you know, sometimes the average person is really not very average. Sometimes the averageness of a person can teach us much, can really show us things, can really surprise us. And I think she's one of those persons and I'll get to her in just a second. But this averageness, something that I've really struggled with, I don't believe she really understood how much she sort of hit the nail on the head about really a long time struggle for me as, I guess I'm gonna use a very broad term, as an artist, um, where I've spent a good t portion of my life trying to figure out how not to be average. Like I, it was almost like a fear of mine. Like I wanted it on my tombstone, even though I'm not going to have a tombstone because I already settled that uh, last year. We both did with an attorney. So we're not doing tombstones. But if I had a tombstone, I would say, you know, here lies Matt, someone who's not just average. It, it's almost these, it's almost this, it's always been this thing that sort of gripped at me. And yet, some of the people who appear to be average have really had a dramatic effect on me. And that dramatic effect is something that I really have a lot of gratitude for. My parents in August will be 92 years old. They live in a small apartment in Jackson Township. And in the pre-pandemic days, I would do my best to go down and visit with them at least every weekend. And generally, those visits would consist of us sitting around watching television and just really talking specifically about the same things. You know, it used to be my parents would kind of remember what I did, but now they, they kind of don't know. So 
what generally would come up in those conversations is my dad would say, so now what are you doing again? Whereas he would never say that before. And that's okay. I'm, I'm used to that. I've lived with that. But they talk a lot about their childhoods. And, and I think I get that because I've been thinking a lot about my childhood too and my youth and the way I was brought up and the, the, the landmarks that are still around that remind me of it. So I, I get it. I've heard this that elderly people have a tendency to remember many things about their growing up in their childhood. And my parents do a lot of reminiscing about it. But at any rate, when I'm done with those visits, sometimes I will go to a subway that is right around the corner from their house and I will get something to eat. And inside this subway is a guy who works behind the counter, and his name is Joe, and I know his name is Joe because that's what the tag on his shirt says. And I'm not a person who likes to make generalized statements. I'm not a person who likes to presume things, but for the sake of telling this part of the story, I'll just assume that maybe Joe has a certain degree of autism, uh, or a certain degree of obsessive-compulsive disorder. And that's fine. That's just something I wanted to throw in there because I think it contributes to his averageness, and that's what makes me admire him. And the first time I want, wandered into this subway, you know, it's customary when you walk through the door for whoever is working behind the counter to say, welcome to Subway. And sometimes that doesn't happen. But with Joe, it always happens. I mean, it always happens just like clockwork. And I've often thought, and I'm never prepared, and I want to remember to do this when I find their new location because I just stopped there last week and it was closed. The location had moved. So hopefully Joe has moved with the location. But at any rate, I make a mental note to record it. I really want... To I really want video of Joe making a sandwich and the detail that he spends in making the sandwich. I oftentimes remark to Donna, I would say the worst restaurant experience I've ever had in the last 10 years is actually walking into any McDonald's restaurant. The worst. I mean, picture the way you're not supposed to do any kind of restaurant experience and then times it by 10. And that is the McDonald's restaurant experience, in my, in my experience. And Joe is the complete opposite of that. In fact, he is radically opposite of that. To watch him slice open a piece of bread to arrange it so meticulously on his little piece of wax paper is really an art form. The way he moves very quickly, very with, with, with much energy, with much authority, the way he stretches his hands across like he's a conductor at a symphony and he says, may I interest you in some roast beef today? Or perhaps, and he does it again with his hands, may I interest you in some turkey slices? Can I make for you a barbecue sandwich? And I'll say, uh, Joe, I think what I'm going to have today is a six-inch uh, 
turkey with some uh, hot peppers. Turkey, hot peppers. Excellent choice. Great choice. Let's let's make that for you right away, right now. And he rushes to and fro, left and right, to make sure that the bread is in the perfect position, that the turkey has been meticulously folded and put inside the bread, that if I want it heated, that he turns back towards the oven with with almost robotic precision to make sure that the numbers are pressed in and the buttons are pressed in and that that 30 or 40 seconds that elapses that during that time he's also you know cleaning a tray that he used before that he's putting getting new gloves and putting them on that he's cleaning up the knives that have been sitting there before that he's not wasting any time and as he's taking the condiments and moving the sandwich down the line, you can tell he cares about how many peppers he's putting on it, how many onions he's putting on it, that the onions and the peppers don't mix. And if his gloves touch something on the counter that was not requested on my sandwich, he takes those gloves and he pitches them and he goes and grabs new gloves. And then he removes those gloves and then he rings me out, making sure that I have the correct change and is everything done to my satisfaction? And to me, that averageness, this average guy who works at a subway is really the kind of guy I've modeled myself after when working at the restaurant. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to move with the same authority as him. I wanted to move at the same purpose as him. Even though they were just dishes on a table, I wanted to make sure they were cleared off expertly and that those customers at that table had everything they needed so that their experience was legendary. I mean, Joe wants you to feel like your Subway experience is legendary. So average Joe, coincidentally, at Subway, in some nondescript plaza in Canton, Ohio. I've learned a lot from average Joe. And to me, that averageness is something a lot of people can learn from. And I really am grateful for that. Way back when, in the late 80s, I was an instructor at a business college and it's the same business college where I met my wife who was also an instructor and I couldn't really pay all the bills and I would include in those bills a rather hefty credit card bill that I had run up and it wasn't until meeting my wife and living with my wife and later marrying the woman who would be my wife that she would kind of get me in line with some of these uh, credit issues that I had early on. And in order to pay my rather substantial monthly fee, while I was adding more things onto the credit card, I went to bartending school. I really did. I went to a school that taught you how to be a bartender. And it was shortly after graduating from Bartender Academy (laughs) that I landed a job as a bartender. And my job was to bartend several nights a week at Poncho's, a restaurant in 
Canton. And one of the managers at this restaurant was a guy named Craig. Now, I don't recall his last name. But he was always very nice to me. In fact, he was always very nice to just about everybody. And unlike a lot of people who work at that restaurant, and in very similar fashion, a lot of people who work at the restaurant I just left, there's a number of people there that really don't talk. They really don't speak. They have a kind of a mission they will need to accomplish and they do it or they're just biding their time or they're saying to themselves, you know, two freaking more hours, I get to go home. Um, it's one of those things where a person who has a substantial personality, a person who has a particular gift, a person who has a particular eccentricity stands out amongst all of these people. Where this average person inside an average place, an average restaurant, surrounded by all kinds of average people, can sort of rise above. And I would be at the bar, and Craig was kind of an assistant manager. He was kind of in charge of a shift. And so many times during the shifts that I worked at Poncho's, he would be the shift manager. He would be the man. And invariably, when he would see that I was behind the bar for the start of my shift, he would walk across the restaurant, usually with great purpose, and he would walk behind the bar, and he would stand next to me, and he would reach out his hand, and he would say, Matt, how's it going, buddy? And I would say, it's, it's going well. Good, good, good to hear it. Can I have a good night tonight? Um, uh, I think so. Good, good. Glad to hear it. You need anything, let me know. Okay, I'm right here. And then at this time of the day, I'm going to be right there. If you need anything, let me know. I'm going to come back and check on you. And the first time he did that, I was kind of freaked out a little bit. And one of the other waitresses was waiting for her margarita order, and she kind of rolled her eyes a little bit. But I came to realize that that was him. Like, that was his style. That was his way. And his way, as I learned later, down the road, months later, when we would have a couple of beers during a Browns game at a bar, that that was the way he operated. That was his style. Somebody taught him that style. Somebody told him to be that way because he would rise to the next level. And it was true. He did rise to the next level. And Craig did it by caring what people think. And he did it by listening to people. And it's a trademark thing that I hope in my management experiences that I borrowed from this seemingly average person. I would see him call a busboy over to ask him to do something. Now, under normal circumstances, a manager in a restaurant would say, Bill, you go back and grab some ice and bring it to the bar. 
And of course, Bill wanted to keep his job. Bill would stop what he was doing and he would go back and he would grab some ice and he would bring it out and lug it up and he would pour it into the sink that we had for ice and that would be that. But Craig did it differently. Craig would say, Bill, do you have a minute to come over here? And of course, why wouldn't Bill have a minute to come over to the person who was in charge of him? And he would say, Bill, and he would put his hand on his shoulder and say, Bill, how you doing tonight? And Bill would mumble, as kids frequently do. I'm doing okay. Good, good, good to hear it. Okay, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Okay, good, good. I want to know that you're doing okay. Bill, I have a question. Bill, there's ice in the back. We need some ice behind the bar. Can you go back and get some ice for the bar? And Bill would say, uh, yeah, 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 I can do that. Good, good. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about having to do that? Uh, it's, it's okay. Okay, good, good, good. I want you to be happy in your work, Bill, okay? Bring that ice up right now if you can, okay? Ready? Got it? Uh, got it. Okay, good, go. And he would slap him on the side of the shoulder and off the kid would go. And I remember driving home and I think, yeah, it's a little severe, don't you think? That style. But later on he told me, he said, you know, I'm kind of like a hyper guy anyway. But person who told me to be a good listener told me two things. One, to look people in the eye and always look people in the eye. Even if they're a busboy, I look them in the eye and I want them to look me in the eye. I want them to respond, not mumble. I want them to give me a response. Because a 17, 18 year old kid, they need to learn how to talk to adults. I want them to talk to me like an adult. And second of all, I want to care how they feel about something. I do. I want them to know that a person who is in charge of them isn't just in charge of them because they're an employee. I want them to know that the person who is in charge of them cares about what they think, even if they disagree with it. And so when I ran a radio station, the programming side of a radio station, I kept Craig's I guess his manifesto, I kept it in mind. I kept it in the back of my mind. And a lot of times that I would conduct air checks in radio where we would sit in a room and we would go over recordings of a person's on-air shift and we would critique how they talked between the records. I stopped sitting behind a desk and doing it. I wanted it to be a group experience. I wanted it to be an experience where we were both were getting something out of this and we were both learning rather than me just throwing down authoritarian thunderbolts at this person and them nodding their heads saying, yes, do that. No, don't do this. I wanted to get their feelings about why they felt like they needed to approach that right then and there. How, why did they want to do it like that? And I learned that from Craig, who I've never seen since then, who I probably have not seen in almost 30 years. And I hope average Craig, an average restaurant co-manager, assistant manager, I hope he rose to do great things because he certainly taught me a couple of things about integrating with people. How do you feel about that? 
the last person I want to mention today in terms of their averageness is, is really my wife, who is not very average at all, in my opinion. Donna's had a very rich life. In fact, I would say I've probably been the more boring part of her life. <laughs> she came up, was brought up in a childhood that really resembled a country music song. I mean, she showed me where she lived, where she was born, and it was basically a shack that was falling down. Her mother was abused. Her mother raised her family, for the most part, by herself. Her mother worked multiple jobs, multiple bartending jobs, multiple waitressing jobs, all kinds of jobs. You, can, you can't even count the number of jobs her mom worked. In fact, when we're riding around Akron, it, 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 invariably, she will point out, Mom used to work there. Mom used to do a shift there. I mean, when Donna was growing up, part of her house, the living room, was a dirt floor. One of her mom's so-called boyfriends put a gun to her head. I mean, it was far different from the way I grew up. Donna married not too long after high school. She married a Navy man. She saw the world. She saw a lot of the world before she was 25. She lived in Florida. She lived in Okinawa. She lived in Germany. She lived in Hawaii. So she married a Navy guy and traveled all around. Then she married me and traveled all around. I didn't give her Okinawa, but I gave her Pittsburgh. <laughs> I didn't give her Germany, but I gave her Knoxville, Tennessee. I didn't give her Hawaii, but I gave her St. Louis. She's an artist. She owned a floral business. She had a cake making business. She sold cars. I remember when she came home from Burt Greenwald Chevrolet when we were living in a manufactured home, jumping up and down because she sold her first Lumina. She's had her work in multiple art shows. She's been a nurse. She's been an OR surgical tech. She was on one of the most prestigious OR surgical teams in Pittsburgh when we lived there. She's done a lot of things. She's far from average. If average is measured by the amount of things you do or don't do. But I love her averageness. In fact, her averageness really is almost breathtakingly simplistic. My wife would be perfectly satisfied sitting in front of a ball game with a hot dog and a root beer. That's it. There's no fancy jewelry requests. There's no fancy car requests. 
She doesn't have to live on this side of town or that side of town, never has. She's always been up for anything. She's always been willing to try something new. She's always been willing to fail and get back up. She's one of the most average people I know. And for me, she couldn't be more exciting. So I'm grateful for average. And although I've probably missed many average stories throughout my life in my quest to not be average, I've probably missed a number of great tales that could be told to me and great teaching moments that I could have borrowed and learned from, from very average people, the average person. So you don't have to be Nick Drake. You don't have to be anybody but you, really. And sometimes average is more than good enough. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast. It's easy to do through all of the variety of platforms that are out there. I also hope that you uh, have a chance to listen soon to a podcast I'm going to share with you. Uh, I mentioned before that I work with a non-commercial radio station here in town called The Summit. And very soon we're going to be debuting a podcast. I am not the host. Mark Lee Shannon is the host. And it deals with rock and recovery, how music has helped people recover, whether it's alcohol or drug abuse or any other addiction or any other thing where people are tied down and want to be released from. So that podcast is going to be debuting soon and I'll give you all the details soon about it. I think it's, I think it's going to be a very cool podcast. It already is a cool podcast. We put together several episodes and we're going to unveil it here very, very soon. In the meantime, as I gaze up at my glass block window, that is my sole connection to outdoors, I do see that it's kind of clouding up and getting a little more gray outside. And that uh, the storms will be approaching soon, I'm sure. So I'll probably shut things down here for the time being. Here's hoping that you are safe and that you are healthy still. And I know the trend, I know the trend is to go about your merry way, but yours truly and his average wife, we do our part by wearing masks and trying to social distance and trying to use hand sanitizer and trying to do what we can to flatten the curve. And I would urge everybody to do the same. And I know that's fodder for a very contentious disagreement and contentious discussion but everyone has an opinion and that's mine i'll talk about that more in a later podcast until then matthew here hoping you have a great week and hopefully we will chat soon on the next edition of the gratitude journal podcast